0: This week, some listeners ask about how to camp in one area affordably long-term. We're gonna talk about that. Plus, is there a backlash against RVers from tent campers and other visitors to national parks? And probably the most ridiculous camping product I have ever seen in my life. This is the RV Miles Podcast. v miles is brought to you by ll bean ll bean is a proud partner of the national park foundation ll bean and npf share a belief that every community should have the opportunity and resources to experience the joy of the outdoors together through this partnership they're not only helping people find their parks they're helping protect restore and improve parks across the u.s if it's outside ll bean is all in be an outsider with ll bean Welcome to episode 179 of the R no no 69 69 169. Giving us an extra 10 there of the RV Miles Podcast. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby, and you are ready for it to be 2021. <laughs> and we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week we talk all things RV and outdoors. From travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more.
0: As I said in the intro there, uh, we've got a lot of different things we're going to talk about. It's a potpourri. Uh, it's a potpourri of, show.
1: <laughs> I prefer mixed bag, <laughs> mixed bag, I think. Isn't
0: that what potpourri means?
1: It does. It's a mixed but bag. When I think potpourri, I think, of, I think actually poopery. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs>
0: poopery. So. <laughs> oh, so I
1: prefer mixed bag.
0: <laughs> if you're not familiar, poopery is the stuff <laughs> you spray in your toilet before you go. Uh, we are coming to you this week from the great state of Arkansas. We had left our digs in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for uh, warmer hom- weather. Warmer weather. It's we're only like 170 miles from where we were before, but the weather is way better.
1: Fall is on full display here. It's stunning. And you'll probably notice if you're watching on YouTube that it's just raining leaves behind us on a pretty regular basis. So it's really pleasant. And we're really going to enjoy these next like week and a half. I think we still have left here.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the election has sort of just wrapped up, I guess. So and <laughs> That several months, years of all our lives, I guess, is coming to an end and it feels weird.
1: I think 2020 has pulled out every single stop possible. It's not over yet. So anything
0: can happen in the next several weeks.
1: But I'm just saying, at this point, are we surprised by anything that happens? We're all so immune to it at this point. You just go, eh, 2020. So I guess if 2021 decides to be anything close to 2020, you know, just be another day.
0: Well, you know, the one thing that is on my mind about 2021 is that the coronavirus is picking up steam. Uh, more than it has from the beginning and uh, obviously there are huge ramifications for for anybody that uh, is living on this earth Uh, but also for (laughs) us travelers and uh, uh, and those of us who live in campgrounds there may be some concerns again about more shutdowns and and all that I just saw in in Europe Euro Disney has re-shut down
1: well, I guess if we're basing our determination on how things are gonna go by how Disney is operating. Yeah, well that's what then, we do, right? Yeah, then Europe is in trouble. Euro Disney <laughs> has shut down. I think at this point, we're just taking everything day by day. If there has been a theme in this 2020 season for the RV Miles podcast, is that every step we take, every move we make when it comes to travel and RV is just taken day by day. That's not going to change because all of a sudden it says one one twenty-one on the calendar. Yeah,
0: there's no there's no magic thing no. that happens no on New Year's Day.
1: Do the best no. we can with what we're given and see how it all plays out.
0: So uh here's something fun to start off with. Your fresh tank last week was uh a a store purchased cocktail.
1: Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I'm so glad Margarita I got that mix. Up. going into election week, we needed all those store bought cocktails. So <laughs> I hope some people took advantage of it and purchased their own.
0: Well, Susie in the Facebook group heard that episode and she decided to share with us uh, what her go-to cocktail is right now. And I just had to share this because yeah. it's so great.
1: Susie saw my post and then was like, literally hold my beer. I'm going to take this to the next level. So
0: Susie shared this company called Tennessee Shine Company who make a lot of different wacky moonshine flavors and uh, what she has purchased recently is called nanner pudding (laughs) the banana pudding flavored cocktail and and I I thought that was just awesome but then I went on to their website and looked at all the other stuff they have holy cow
1: when I saw (laughs) moon pie I thought oh Jason has just found his special they
0: have a relationship with moon pie and they have different moon pie flavored moonshine. They have chocolate cream, banana cream, strawberry cream. They even have a pumpkin spice cream moon pie moonshine.
1: Say that five times (laughs) fast. I have a lot of questions. I'm really curious about how this tastes. I mean, I'm looking over this website and they got
0: big orange dreamsicle. They've got uh, salted caramel. They've got small batch apple pie, cherries, butterscotch, blackberry shine, cotton candy, and then the good old straight off the still. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's, that's
0: oh. the clear one.
1: <laughs> well, I found our holiday drink. We're going to have to get some winter cream. All right. Sounds like something I'd put on my face, but <laughs> I'm willing to give it a try. Uh,
0: so we have a lot of fun over in the RV Miles Facebook group. So if you're not a member, please go join us over there right away and uh, and jump in on the fun. Uh, That's our question of the week, by the way. We've been trying to ask you all a question every week. So if you want to go over to YouTube or if you're already here on YouTube and leave in the comments uh, an answer to our question of the week, what is your go-to campground cocktail? We'd love to know.
1: Oh, we definitely would (laughs) love to know.
0: Uh, Okay. So uh, a couple weeks ago now, it's been a couple weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I recorded a video. That uh, discussed some of the changes that the National Park Service is considering uh, for their campground design plan for the future. And the video's kind of taken off a little bit. It has over a quarter million views uh, on YouTube. It's really opened our eyes up, I think, to to a lot of stuff because uh, the reach of that video has gone well beyond the RV community. And into, you know, the, the vast majority of national park visitors, including tent campers and, and just general visitors who might not be camping at all. And uh, I, I just really sort of uh, shown us how the rest of the world perceives RVers sometimes.
1: Or at least those who were commenting. And there sure. were quite a few <laughs> comments when they weren't commenting on the Sandhill Crane versus... <laughs> Canadian geese. Oh, oh.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, I misidentified <laughs> then, a bird. I'm sorry.
1: Yes. Uh, then they were really discussing what having modern campgrounds and national parks they believe would mean to camping in a national park. Yeah.
0: So I want to start by clarifying that the, what the National Park Service is doing here, this is their second century campground design plan. Um, it is a document that they have created, and I go in a lot of detail on this in the video, if you want to check that out, but it's a document that is set to guide new campground design and development of a remodeled campground. It is not a document that is saying so many campgrounds are going to get X, Y, and Z. It's not stating that all campgrounds are going to get electricity, anything like that. It's just something that's saying You know, when we provide this new campground, if we decide it's going to have electricity, these are the standards. It's going to be 50 amp. If we decide it's going to have RV spaces, they're going to be 45 foot uh, at a minimum. It's not something that's saying we're going to go through and remodel all these campgrounds in the National Park Service to have 45 foot spaces, 50 amp power, um, bigger driveways, all that sort of space. So it's, it's literally just, you know, for the next 50 years or whatever it is, when, when a new campground is being built, this is the guide that they're going to give contractors to say, this is how we're doing this.
1: They're also acknowledging that they need to have more accessibility yeah. in their campgrounds. And again, this is a guide for the second century of the National Park Service. And so that's a main focus. Something that I felt was really lost in the discussion that was happening over on YouTube about what the National Park Service wants to do, because there is not a lot of accessibility in our parks. Our parks that are supposed to be for all people don't design themselves to be for all people. So it's really important as we go forward that we make sure that anyone who wants to visit a national park feels welcome and can do so. But to your point, what has been the most fascinating thing to come out of that is really how the tent camping community or those who are not RVers, maybe not even necessarily tent campers, but just don't RV, perceive RVing in national parks.
0: Yeah, a lot of complaints about, you know, everybody that wants to drag their 35-foot home with them everywhere they're, they're going and all the noise that people make running their generators and their air conditioners and their outdoor TVs and the bright lights that they've got on their rigs.
1: A lot of shaming, a Mm -hmm. lot of shaming for people bringing their quote unquote home with them. But really one of the biggest things we have talked about privately over the last couple of weeks is the misconception of generators. A lot of these comments are tacked on. If you put electric in a park, then everyone's just going to run their generators.
0: is obviously well, the opposite of what the electricity is for. That's not how generators work. Uh, you know,
1: we've had people even say, go to a KOA so you can run your generator. Yeah. That's not how generators work. <laughs> now, national parks that have hookups, be it electricity, most are just electricity. And then there's, you know, your dump station, you can get your water. So no one's running a generator when they're plugged in. You know, that's the biggest misconception. Now. I can see where someone is saying, like, let's take Watchmen for instance. Let's take Zion as mm-hmm. an example. They have a loop that is dispersed. You can't. There's no hookups. I think it's the A loop. No, I'm not a, they sure. have
0: several loops. I think it's the yeah. A, B, and C loop have electricity, and then like D yes. through F do not.
1: So I can understand if you're over there, and it's a it's a mixed bag over there. It's tent campers, it's RV campers, and if someone's running a generator over there. Well, there's no electricity over there. So they're running their generator. The national park has established hours that you can run your generator. Now, if you move over to another loop with hookups, nobody's running a generator there because they don't need to run a generator. So it's lumping a small group of RV campers who are doing what they're allowed to do into this bigger narrative. And it's very unfortunate because it's very, very nasty and and a lot of times misinformed
0: and this is not a, this is not a knock against tent campers at all look we've, oh no we've, we've we been started tent campers we know we have listeners that are tent campers there are so many different types of campgrounds and camping experiences i i feel like if you're going to a developed campground a developed campground meaning there's pavement to park on or gravel at least and there's electricity and and water ran throughout it you're going to expect that people are going to come there and they're going to have some sort of living activity, right? They're, they're going to be hanging out by a campfire talking. Um, Maybe they will have an outdoor TV. Maybe they'll play music. You know, tent campers play music on boom boxes too. This is, there's boom boxes. The, the, it, it, there, you go to a, yes, boom boxes. <laughs> Welcome to 1985. Uh, They, don't if they you just go, use their Walkmans? When generally, when you go to a developed campground, there's going to be some sounds, folks. There's going to be children laughing and playing. And yes, eat and crying. Children make noises. Uh, there's going to be some dogs barking. And when people say, I go, I go to get away for the peace and quiet of nature and for no noise, that's, that's an expectation that you are just not going to meet in a developed campground. Going out to dispersed camping, And uh, going out into
1: the back country, back
0: country, small tent only campgrounds. I I totally get it there. You know, we've all been to state parks that are big party atmosphere. We've been to some private parks that are real quiet and quaint and all that.
1: Now, if I could make a point or a suggestion, because you know, again, we've talked about how this really opened our eyes as RVers, and it did really sort of cement for me that I think when we're camping in a national park campground, there is a little bit of a, a different expectation I'm going to take of myself as a camper. Sure, You know, I'm not going to probably behave in the same way that maybe we're behaving here. This is a campground where it's all, you know, RVs and they're very active outside at night. Everyone has lights on. They have, it's amazing how many buckets, lights are here There are a lot of bucket lights in this camp yeah they really like bucket lights in this area which is kind of cool to see but you know there's a lot of a lot of people camping together so there's a lot of activity going on and it's going on late into the night this isn't that we're all necessarily here for the hiking and the views and and things of that nature it's very beautiful here but the atmosphere is different just like the atmosphere at a national park might be different. So maybe, you know, it is best as RVers because there is this narrative that has been spun a little bit about the RVer that I don't think is necessarily accurate, but one we should be mindful of. And that is like the idea that you come to a national park and you've got your TV going on outside and all your lights on and, you know, you've got your outdoor kitchen and, you know, you're just creating this big, space of yourself inside this area where people are really trying to connect a little bit more with nature.
0: Well, look, there are some tent campers that want that experience. There's some tent campers that want to be able to plug into electricity, right? There are some things that we as RVers can do to make, you know, people a little bit more accepting of us. There are some etiquette things, not just other, not just tent campers and the rest of, you know, society, but uh, each other as well in, in some of these more natural spaces. So, You know, for instance, we can run our generators as little as possible. You know, if you don't need your generator, don't run it. Um, If you don't need air conditioning, don't run it. So when you leave all day long, you know, turn your air conditioning off or turn it way down so that you're not, you know, disturbing the sounds. Because noise pollution is a real thing. The same with light pollution. There's no reason that once we've gone in for bed that we need to have our outdoor lights on. And they really do. Even the smallest outdoor light can really catch in, in a window. I mean, most of you um, that are in RVs have experienced this, but imagine that in a tent, you know, the, the amount of light coming off an RV shining on a tent can really light it up all night long. You know, we can pay attention to that sort of stuff. We can only use our generators during the hours that they've prescribed for us at that given campground if they've done that. Which are Um,
1: usually very generous hours, to be honest.
0: Sometimes it's just two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. And if you miss it, you're out of luck. But, you know, often it's just don't run your generator overnight. Now, I also don't feel like we should be shaming each other over stuff either. We might not know why somebody has to run their generator. So, you know, these are personal decisions. But if somebody's running their generator all day, It could be for medical reasons. It could be for lots of reasons. So I'm not saying that we should go out and police each other by any means.
1: Sometimes people need to get packages for business reasons. (laughs) Don't
0: even go there.
1: I will never not go there. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we should never be shaming each other. And I think that's why we wanted to talk about this a little bit, because there has been so much shaming in that video, that what I've noticed over time is less and less RVers are talking about this, at least there. They don't want to speak up because it's so negative. And that's unfortunate because I think that we all have a voice in what's going to go on with our campgrounds going forward. And the National Park Service wants to hear from us. So hopefully those people who maybe didn't feel as comfortable speaking there are going over and leaving that public comment.
0: Yeah, you know, and the the lines between an RV and a tent have really, really blurred over the recent years. You know, you've got the rooftop tents, you've got these small adventure trailers that people pull that uh, that have a tent and a kitchen attached to them, and you've got teardrop trailers and Sometimes those people have generators with them. sometimes they don't. It's very hard for a, an agency like the Park Service to say, these are the rules for RVs and these are the yeah. rules for tents because what is an RV and what is a tent it is, isn't as clear as it sounds. Check out that video if you haven't, and but more importantly, go to, uh, go to the website that I've linked in the description of it, where you can read the National Park Services plan for future campgrounds and you can go in and comment on some of the design choice decisions they've made for me the whole point in that putting out that video was to say hey i think this is really cool the national park service isn't actually planning on making a lot of big changes all they're really saying is that going forward in the future if we build a new campground we're going to make the spaces 45 feet we're going to put in 50 amp if it's an electric campground not much more to it than that
1: yeah but the conversation really turned and it it got kind of ugly in some places and you know we do our best to try and and monitor and moderate as much as we can there but we also know that people need to have their opinions and they're entitled to those
0: so check that out and uh and we're going to take a break here we got a whole lot more to talk about on this mishmash of an episode
1: this potpourri
0: be right back Fall is here, so it's time to start thinking about prepping for the winter off-season. Whether you own an RV, a travel trailer, or a camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. EmpireCovers.com offers high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect. Every cover comes with a free multi-year warranty to guarantee that it remains durable over time. RV Miles listeners can receive free shipping, plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit EmpireCovers.com slash RVMiles or use promo code RVMiles at checkout. EmpireCovers.com. Protect what you love. Outdoor enthusiasts of all stripes will enjoy Pelican gear on their adventures. Hard-sided Pelican Elite coolers are all made in America and are available in a wide number of sizes. Get a 20-quart for short day trips, a 50-quart for week-long adventures, or a wheeled 45-quart to keep the fun rolling along. Pelican backs all their hard-sided coolers with a lifetime warranty, too. RV Miles listeners can get a free DayVenture Tumblr when they visit EliteCooler.com slash RV Miles and spend over $100. We're so happy to welcome Pelican back onto the show as a sponsor. Pelican uh, was with us for quite a while uh, a while back, and we have them here again. We've been fans of their products for a very long time. They're made in the USA. Coolers are fantastic. And we've, we carry our Pelican cooler with us wherever we go.
1: We do. In fact, it's so durable. We're currently using it as a step stool for Henry so he can get up on the slack
0: line. <laughs> we are.
1: They're very versatile. <laughs> you could do a lot of things with a Pelican cooler.
0: <laughs> All right. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this Which noun from group B belongs in group A and Y? And the nouns were man, foot, child tooth and mouse in group a In group B it was girl hand adult toe and goose. And the answer was goose. And the reason why is that the others in group B can be pluralized by adding an S when goose cannot.
1: Goose is also an excellent wingman.
0: <laughs> and it's not a crane. <laughs> put that out there just
1: put that out there
0: we'll have a new brain teaser later on in the show all right so we have two uh two sort of big listener questions that we wanted to answer in this segment of the show and they both sort of relate to each other in a way so why don't you read off the first one for us
1: okay michelle wrote to us and said love your podcast it's our go-to as our family prepares to launch into full-time rv living june 2021 But there is one topic that we haven't really come across that we need help with, and we're hoping you have some insights or references. We are planning on staying at each destination we visit for at least one month and would like to stay at state and county parks as much as possible to save on costs. I'll still be working full time, so we thought it would be less stressful and easier to work if we weren't constantly moving. However, the issue we are running into is that reservations are limited to a 15-day stay. I asked if we could book back-to-back reservations, and they said no. Have you experienced this during your travels? What advice, recommendations do you have? Oh, boy, have we ever.
0: Yes. Most public campgrounds, most campgrounds that are operated by the government of whatever form, state, city, local, are going to have limits on stays. Usually it's a 14-day limit, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like then you have to be out of it for For another 14 days before you can come back in or it's five days out or whatever it it might be. So, yeah, generally, you're only going to be able to stay for that sort of amount of time. So if you want to stay monthly, you generally want to be going to a private campground.
1: Now, I would suggest um, because they want to do more state and federal camping, something that we love very, very much is... If going to private campgrounds for monthly is not something you're really into, one thing that we often do is if we go to an Army Corps of Engineer campground or we go to a state park, well, often we will look for either the state or the federal campground within a certain mile so that our drive for the next two weeks is only maybe 50 or 60 miles. It's very short. We're there in two hours. And so then by the time you, you know, you load up, you get out and you get over there and then you get yourself set up. It's sort of like a half a day's worth of work on a a Saturday or Sunday. And so I would suggest that if, you know, federal and state campgrounds and local campgrounds, county campgrounds are really important to you. Just just pinpoint what's around. Move slow, move short. Don't feel like you have to go hundreds of miles to the next campground.
0: Yeah, you, you could, you might even be in the same area and you might mm-hmm. be in a private campground for two weeks and then a public one for two weeks, whatever it is, but it, you could get yourself in a routine where you just move every two weeks on a Sunday or whatever day of the week it is and even working full time that's usually manageable. It's usually not that difficult to move. I will say the longer you stay in one place, the harder it is to move because you end up having more to pack up and you've, you've created more of a home for yourself (laughs) in that area. But, but it's really, it's not as bad as it sounds to, to move every two weeks. And I think um, if you do want to stay in those types of parks, just sort of plan to do that because there's, there's just really no way around that. There are some places that'll, you know they'll fudge it. They'll say, "Yeah, we don't care." Especially if it's in the off season, mm-hmm. they might say, "Yeah, we don't care if you just make another reservation and stay. Uh, no big deal. Um, it, it's just going to depend on who runs it, and they're probably never going to give you that permission. Like over the phone, it's usually like when you're there, the camp host doesn't care. Um, but it, 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 there's just really no way to to go monthly. On public lands
1: yeah and I would suggest too that oftentimes a state park might have a national forest next to it Mm -hmm. or a national park campground is going to be inside of a bigger national forest and often you can go from a state park and go a few miles down the road to the national forest
0: the other thing you'll find Michelle, is that private campgrounds um, even though they're they're not the same experience as a public campground it, it is you'll get more affordable rates by going to private campgrounds monthly because you rarely get long term discounts at public campgrounds so if you do want to you know stay on a monthly plan and you want to stay somewhere one month at a time you go to a private campground you can generally get it's it often ends up being almost half off the nightly rate for a whole month where there's just never that kind of discount in national, state, uh, or local parks.
1: Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because we've been talking a lot lately, though, about how private campgrounds are pulling those monthly rates. Yeah. they're or, switching them seasonally. Or increasing at, them. Yeah. Or increasing them. So that could become a little bit harder with 2021. We don't know yet. We don't know what the camping season is going to look like. But, you know, there are a lot of people who have talked about how the rate was one price 2019, and then it was not that price in 2020, or that the monthly had just completely gone off the table, wasn't even an option, that's really going to depend upon the area you're in, though. Yeah,
0: if you're in... The the thing about federal campgrounds is they're generally the same price range wherever you are. Mm -hmm. If you're in a popular area, they're generally the more affordable places to stay. But if you're in a less popular area, say you're in rural Texas somewhere... You might be able to get a monthly rate for $500 a month, including electricity, where the local federal park might cost you $25 a night. That's going to add up to like $750 a month.
1: That's still, you know, pretty pricey for camping. Now, we had someone tell us that one of the campgrounds we loved the most in 2020 was Echo Basin in the Mancos, Colorado area. And they're doing, they're staying open for the winter which we found amazing. And they're doing monthlies for only $400 a month plus electricity.
0: Yeah. Now you might have to plow your way out. <laughs> yeah. You might be fitting your truck you, with a snow plow on the front of you it. You might but. not
1: just be there through winter. <laughs> you might be waiting for spring and then maybe even into summer well, before you can get yeah, yourself down that it, mountain. That's but. the
0: other issue that you're going to come across is what area that you want to be in. It gets increasingly harder in the middle of winter to stay in public campgrounds because a lot of them close or shut their water off, even in places where that shouldn't be much of an mm-hmm. issue. Um, even in States like Arizona, you you know, nor the Northern half of Arizona, all the national forest campgrounds close in the winter.
1: Poor Michelle. She asked one question and we turned it into like 50,
0: <laughs> but do, I mean, really, I I think you'll be fine uh, with stay with staying two weeks and moving every two weeks. Once you get the hang of it, that's kind of what we do, what we try mm-hmm. to do. We don't always live up to it, but we try to book a federal campsite for two weeks and stay there and then move.
1: But I'm already looking around this campsite and I'm like, wow, we've really made ourselves up here. <laughs> <laughs> so we've <laughs> got the slack line up. Like, I mean, we're <laughs> we're definitely settled in for two weeks.
0: Susan sent us a really nice long email, uh, but it ended with a, a question tacked onto the end. What happens when you pull up in a camping space in a place and after a few days or a couple weeks, you fall in love with where you are and decide this is it. This is where you want to put down roots or if not roots, park your camper in a permanent space. At least, is it possible that you would be allowed to live in a campground permanently? Maybe some and not others or at all. Can you work camp forever? You can definitely stay in lots of campgrounds permanently. There are lots of campgrounds across the country, mostly in the more popular winter destinations or at least places that don't freeze over in the winter that have private campgrounds that have people living in them permanently. You can even, you know, sometimes you have a monthly uh rental or sometimes you might even have year-long leases. Um and then sometimes there's park model campers that are there year round but even in even in places that aren't uh in those winter destinations like back in Illinois where we're from there are a lot of seasonal resorts where people own a spot and they come back there every single year during the season and then maybe they travel for the winter so there are lots of different options like that but yeah if you find a place that you want to stay in there's usually an option for you to park somewhere in an RV and, and have a permanent spot. Obviously, the pricing of that is going to depend on the location like we were talking about earlier. And, uh, and the pricing might change depending on the popular tourism season. Now, I
1: think, too, that you should always, always have just this tiny little nugget in the back of your head that this may not be permanent forever. So circumstances could change for you or for the campground that would require you to leave. So, you know, just kind of just kind of keep that there. And I'm not saying it's something you should worry about or fret about on a daily basis. Is this going to be the day that I get kicked out of this campground or whatever? But just know that, you know, you have the joy of having a home on wheels that can move. So if you do get to somewhere where you say, oh, this is it, this is the place and you want to stay there. Well, you know, the nice thing is, is that maybe in six months, eight or nine months, you say, oh, I've really enjoyed this place. I'm feeling the itch to move on. and you can. Or unfortunately, something could change with the campground where they're no longer able to accommodate you, so just have that there, have that nugget there and and do what you can to kind of be prepared for that, just in case
0: There are thousands and thousands of permanent rV sites in the state of Florida where people own the site. Mm-hmm. You know it's almost like an an hOA neighborhood association on a plot of land where all the individual sites are on. There's lots of that going on, so and like I said, those types of places. Are the places you're going to find more of it? Now, the work camping question: Can yeah. you work camp forever? That's going to depend on the relationship you have with that business and uh, and also your financial situation and all that. And obviously, and um,
1: their need, their need because yeah. a lot of time work campers are seasonal. So they might just go back to a skeleton crew in the off season and then they might not need a work camper.
0: Now, work camping, you know, we talk about work camping as working in that campground, but work camping also means you as an RVer just working wherever you are. So if you find a place that you like permanently, well, there's no reason that you couldn't stay there and get a job in that area at a local business.
1: Absolutely. So we should probably respond to Susan's email. We'll though, respond
0: to your email because, because it's been a while.
1: Well, no, because she's only on episode 39.
0: Oh, that's right. Which yes. was
1: amazing to me that she's 39 episodes in and she had all the wonderful things to say that she did in her email. And that really just We'll talk to you, you in,
0: a, in a year and a half, Susie. Uh, but I two years. Think,
1: yeah, I think we should let her know. You might want to jump ahead 130 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> oh that's did. almost three years yes yeah we did address the question there
0: <laughs> so if you have a question please ask us at editor at or you can hop over into the facebook group and you can get answers from you know people who are smarter than us
1: <laughs> there's a lot of them over there too <laughs> so that's going to lead us i think into our our ask this week so you know every week we're doing an ask where we're just coming to you the community to ask you to do one extra step this week to support rv miles if you're so inclined so this week we are asking you to come over to youtube and subscribe to our youtube channel if you have not subscribed already and then if you want to do like a little extra bonus grab a video that you have found or enjoyed over on the channel and please share it across your social media networks. That would be a huge help to us. Having you as a subscriber over there would also be wonderful as well. So you can just go to youtube.com slash RV miles. We will link to it in the show notes. If you are already watching this on YouTube, something's probably about to pop up for you.
0: You know, a lot of people watch YouTube without having a login to YouTube, without yeah. without subscribing to anybody. But, you know, if you create a login on YouTube or if you already have a Gmail account, you have a login. Uh, you, can, you can save videos to watch later and you click that subscribe button. You're going to get notified anytime we put a new video out.
1: Absolutely. So please come over this week and help us out over there on YouTube and join the community over there. And thank you so much in advance for your support.
0: We're going to be right back with our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment where we have to talk about a ridiculous piece of camping gear. Gear, can I call it gear?
1: So many herbs and spices.
0: We'll be right back. (laughs) When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out. Get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that is included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. All right, it's time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week?
1: So, my black tank this week goes to concrete picnic tables. Concrete. Picnic Why don't ta- you
0: like concrete picnic tables?
1: Well, A, our kids always seem to hurt themselves. on them. <laughs> Somebody always is going to scrape something on a concrete picnic table. But have you ever set it one for an extended period of time, especially in the summertime if you're wearing shorts? Your whole legs, you stand up and you look like the design of the concrete you picnic table. You can get table. a little scraped
0: up on them, too. It's
1: a little it's, they're very uncomfortable. They're not good for your
0: elbows. They're not (laughs) good for your
1: elbows. You're always going to scrape something up. It just doesn't matter. So I know this is being really nitpicky. This is being very specific in my black tank, but I didn't want to do anything heavy this week. We've all had a lot of really heavy. And as we were talking about the show this week, I was working on the concrete picnic table and I look at you and I was like, I've just decided these concrete picnic tables are not for me. And you go, well, that's your black (laughs) day.
0: I I think you get a false sense of cleanliness (laughs) off of them, too. They seem a little bit cleaner than a wood one, but they're harder to clean than a wood one. So
1: so here's what's interesting about this one that we're at right now. It is behind our site. And it's very nice because, you know, you have the river view and, you know, you can sit at the picnic table. But what is really nice sometimes about a movable picnic table at your site is that you can configure it. So that if it's raining or you want to put it under the awning or, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of use it to create a more enjoyable, like living space next to the RV. Well, this, this buddy ain't going anywhere. No. Like it's, it's cemented down into the ground. (laughs) It's like, it's not moving. And so I feel like we actually haven't used it as much we haven't used it hardly at all no because it's it's not only behind the rv but it's like over by it's on the the it's on the
0: driver's side it's like
1: it feels a little bit like it's part of the other campsite's um space but really it's more just about the fact that you know you just get those really aggravating little scrapes like if i'm sitting at the picnic table and i have my legs crossed and i'm not thinking about it and i uncross my legs well if i'm under the picnic table I'm going to smack the picnic table and then I'm going to scrape up my knees. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. It's a, it, look, it's a hard knock life. Okay. I get it. I mean, again, like I said, this is real nitpicking. This is first world problems. But I felt like we needed a first world problem gray tank this week. All right. And I just called it a gray tank. Yeah. Because it's not even that big at of least a, we have a, a deal. Pla-
0: at least we have a picnic table. At
1: least we have a picnic table. And there's a lot of other black tank stuff going on these days. So that's really just a gray tank.
0: What is in your fresh tank this week?
1: So my fresh tank goes to river cities. Oh. I like river cities.
0: We are on a river right now.
1: We are on a river. In the and Arkansas River, as a matter of fact. Yes. And what I really like about this particular campground is that when I look across the river, the city is there. And I can see how the city was born out of the river. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have this church bell that tolls every hour. I can see like the town square and there's just something very quaint. It's also very beautiful right now. There are reds and oranges and yellows and the trees are popping all over the city and in the hills and mountains behind the city. And I'm just reminded that how lovely river cities are. There's this beautiful bridge that connects us to the other side And there's really quaint little things there. You know, there's a delightful little burger joint and, you know, there's, you can go get some donuts and there's the small grocery store. And, you know, it's not something for me like that I would want to do for forever, but I find a lot of charm in river cities. I mean, you grew up on a river city. Now, granted, yours is a whole lot bigger than the city we are enjoying right now.
0: Yeah, but the. One of the things that is great about a lot of river cities is often there's an army Corps of engineers campground yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> they're, right. they're often built where there's a dam and a uh, confluence of, uh, of industry and sort of the growth of America uh, along with the natural beauty. And uh, uh, yeah, that's really, I, I, it's special to me actually to be on on a river.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think over time being married to you and and seeing how much you enjoy being on the river and being in river cities, that it's kind of, it's grown on me as well. And so this one in particular has just really struck me as charming. And I've really enjoyed looking out from our campsite and looking across the river and seeing this, you know, very lovely little city over there. That's, you know, what we're calling home for the next couple of weeks. All right, Jay, what is... I don't even know if I can call this a black tank. but Well,
0: what? to be fair, I have not tried this product <laughs> yeah. out. So I, I, you know, I might, I might eat my words on this one.
1: Yeah. I was really shocked when I saw it on your black tank. because I said, what?
0: This has to be one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my life. Yes. There, you can go on Amazon right now, also in some Walmarts and go where they sell the fire, the campfire logs, you know, the, like the pre- Wrapped ones, the ones that are manufactured, you know, for fireplaces or your campfire. And you can buy the KFC campfire log, which is flavored with the scent <laughs> of 11 herbs and spices. It's, so
1: good. it's one of the most ridiculous things in the four years we've been doing this. I,
0: I mean, so I looked at them on Amazon. They are, uh, th- I found this out through through a, a Facebook post. But I looked at them on Amazon. You know what they want for them?
1: $49.99.
0: That's, that's pretty close. It's about, it's about $35.
1: I am so good at estimation. one log.
0: <laughs> one log. $35 you to make what? your campfire smell like KFC. You know what you could do? Go you, get a- you could go get a bucket of <laughs> KFC.
1: Listen, if I need my campsite to smell like 11 herbs and spices, I'm going to go get the $20 family <laughs> meal. <laughs> From the KFC. I'm going to tell them original recipe. Then I'm going to need mashed potatoes with gravy. You're going to give me some coleslaw. And then I'm going to need my four buttermilk biscuits.
0: Now, all this said, you know we're going to need to try this out, right?
1: We use okay. (laughs) So you texted this to me when I was at a Walmart. Okay. First off, I'm at the world's smallest Walmart. So like they're going to have this. It
0: it was an Arkansas Walmart. So it's probably one of the originals.
1: Uh, Yes. And so you send this to me. And my response to you was like, is this a joke? (laughs) And then you were like, no, you have to get this. And I said, I'm not buying this. And your response was research. This (laughs) is research for work. (laughs) And I was like, how about I just go buy you a bucket of chicken?
0: You know what? I, I will say, as ridiculous as it sounds, maybe... Scented campfire logs in general it doesn't have to be KFC 11 herbs and spices, but scented campfire logs could be a thing. I
1: could see that. I don't know. You're, then you're asking the whole campsite to enjoy a smell that maybe only you find enjoyable. That's very true. You know, I can't walk into a place like a, a white candle or a white barn candle company or a Bath and Body Works anymore because I walk in there and it's like I'm going to pass out because the smell is so intense. And so I can only imagine if I had like 11 herbs. Like, what if you threw like multiple 11 herbs and spices and you are are you at 33 herbs and spices? Like, what if I threw three of those on there? Have I magnified the smell like three times? (laughs) And then how long does the smell? Okay, I have a lot of questions. We're probably going to have to test this out. But, you know, I mean, seriously, what what does it smell like and how long does it stay stinky?
0: We're getting neighbors. We
1: are getting say. neighbors. There are
0: people backing in. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably saw them. There yeah. are people. These sites are weird.
1: Uh, they have to be thrilled. <laughs>
0: because they're, these sites are Y-shaped. So they're like, there's one driveway and then it splits. So the two campsites share the same main driveway and then they split. Hopefully and we, he
1: can get past the truck.
0: And we have the good side because we have the end site. And there's nobody near us. Um, they've, got, uh, they've got to deal with us. Hard to yeah, say. sorry. Uh, and then once they sorry. split apart, they're fine. But uh, um, yeah, they they have to deal with our picnic table being in their site
1: Yeah, don't worry, <laughs> we don't use it that much <laughs> anyway. K- KFC
0: campfire logs. Yes. That's my black tank.
1: All right, Jay, what's your fresh tank this week? Uh,
0: my fresh tank is a, a website that a listener turned me onto that uh, that I had never heard of before. Um, that I think can be really helpful for your drive planning. There is a website called mydrivelapse.com, L-A-P-S-E. So it's like time lapses of drives. And you can find these on YouTube. Like we've done a few of them of like Wolf Creek Pass where Mm -hmm. we do a time lapse of our drive. Uh, But this is a website that is specifically for drive time lapses. And they have over a, a couple thousand of them. So you can go there. And if there's a specific drive that you want to look at, you can look it up. And you can watch a quick time lapse of that drive and see how comfortable taking your RV on it you will be. And if there's anything like passes or steep grades that you need to worry about and you can get a visual of your drive. Kind of like going into the Google Street View, but instead of clicking, clicking and clicking to keep going down the route to see what it's like. You get a video time lapse of the whole drive. I thought it was really cool, and I think I'm going to use it.
1: That is really more. cool. Now, is it a video time lapse that's so fast? I mean, I don't know if you've played around on the site, but is it so fast you can't really make anything out? Because you know, a lot of times when I yeah. do Google Street Views, I'm specifically trying to check out like what's that campsite look like, like what there, you know, I, what's they don't
0: the... they don't seem to have a standard. Uh, so okay. I think some are going to be faster than others, but they do the the general. Purpose of this is for you to look at a drive, so I I think in general it's not going to be too fast. We were we found the other day we got recommended to us on YouTube a uh, of and we started watching it a video that had like it had like forty million views or something that was somebody's drive from Los Angeles all the way to New York, and it was like eight hours worth of time lapse. Like the time lapse itself was eight hours long. Yes, and I'll be we darned w- if we didn't click on that thing, give them their ad view and watch the first two minutes of it.
1: We actually found ourselves actively watching it, too. And I had to say to you. you oh, we've been
0: off. we've been there in L.A.
1: Yeah. So we got to turn this off. Oh, and here here comes a train now. Oh,
0: well, that's another thing about these <laughs> these River City Campgrounds. And some people hate it is there's almost a, always a train that a train yeah. track that follows the river bed. And luckily here it's on the opposite side of the river. So it's not too loud, but I, I mean, I'm like a little kid right now watching yeah. a train going by. I think it's one of the greatest things to see a train go by and the, you know, they come by at night and we can hear them, but they're not so loud that they wake us up.
1: No, uh, not at all.
0: But it's a, so, look, it's a train.
1: I know we've had, like, it's like, I've
0: got my little, I'm an engineer. I've got my little, my little model train set thing going right here and I'm like driving it.
1: It's been lovely here. We've had trains. We've had church bells. We watched a giant barge come down the river today. You know, it's lovely here. And we've got this beautiful fall weather. Who could ask for anything more, Jason? Now,
0: I know some people are going to ask exactly where we are. Uh, I do. I want, I want to say, because people do tend to ask. They say, yeah. I missed where, where you said where you are.
1: Or what campground <sighs> is this? Yeah. we We get a lot of those. And we used to be very, very open about sharing that.
0: We're doing less of that now. Um, You know, not only for some obvious security type reasons of, you know, not wanting everybody to know exactly where we are at all times, but also some some of this, uh, is it legal to film in a, on a piece of federal land stuff? Yeah. Um, So there's a little bit of that that we're dealing with. So we can tell you sort of like, after we're somewhere, I guess, where we were.
1: Yeah, we're back and forth on that. And of course, you know, we don't quite know how to handle this yet. So if we, you know, if we don't answer that question or we're not trying to be shady or, you know, hide anything, I wish we could celebrate a lot of these campgrounds that we go to, but we just don't know what's going on yet now with that rule. And and we want to make sure that um, we don't suggest anything that could get anybody else into trouble or get ourselves into trouble. So... We're just kind of keeping it on the DL for right now until we can figure out a better way to handle it.
0: Yeah. All right. That's about it for this week's episode. Let's wrap it up with a brain teaser. Let's. The majority of countries that start with an A also end with an A. These include Algeria, America, Argentina, and Australia. There are two countries that start with an A but end in a different letter. Only two. What are they? We'll have an answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: Yes, we will. And if you want to share that answer with us, because a lot of you have asked how to do that, you are welcome to email us at editor at rvmiles.com or go over to the RV Miles YouTube channel and just drop your answer in the comments. And again, that goes for any comment you might have about today's show. Come on over to YouTube and drop it there or ask us in the RV Miles Facebook group, which means RV Miles is all across social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And if you're liking the show, please go over to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you. We appreciate you spending time with us this week. And until next week, everyone, keep logging those RV miles.
0: Bye, everybody.